everybody. Welcome to Thrive Church. If this is your first time here, or even if you've been here before, we are so glad you're choosing to spend your Sunday morning with us online. Um, several years ago, my cousin uh, and his family came to visit us, and uh, my, specifically my parents, uh, who lived not too far from, from where we did. He had, uh, I think, a middle school student and a couple of high school students, and um, we were all at my parents' house for dinner one night. And uh, my dad started to say grace before dinner, like we always do. And he was probably five words into it when one of my cousin's children made a <clears throat> rather rude noise with his mouth. One of those noises that mimics another unpleasant bodily function. <laughs> now, to my dad's credit, he kept right on going, and the rest of us, you know, kind of ignored it. But as soon as he said amen, my cousin's wife got up from the table, marched their youngest child into another room. And uh, what we heard was kind of like the teacher from Charlie Brown, only really angry. <laughs> and so they came back into the room and, and sat down, and we began to eat dinner. And I looked over at my cousin, and my cousin had this grin on his face, and he says to me, you have to learn how to bite your cheeks. Because <laughs> I wasn't sure how, how you handled that. Um, you've probably had circumstances like that before where you want to react to something and you just can't or you're not supposed to. And it's really, it's really hard to do. Other times... Um, we'll hear something or we'll witness something or we'll be part of, of an experience that isn't quite as funny. And you want to say something, but you know you, you really can't under those circumstances. And so the term, at least as I remember it, is bite your tongue. Remember that? Yeah, those, are, uh, those types of circumstances occur from time, time to time and... and uh, what we have to do ultimately is to stop ourselves from saying something uh, that we might regret uh, for one reason or another. We're in our series called IRL, In Real Life, and we're learning how to follow Jesus in real life on a day-to-day -day kind of basis, and we're using the book of James as our guide. And in chapter 3, James continues his meddling. And so we're going to pick it up um, in chapter 3. I'll have it on the screen for you here uh, in the NIV version, but you're more than welcome to follow along in your Bible app or with an actual Bible. So here we go. James chapter 3. I'm going to begin in verse number 2. James writes, We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole, whole animal. He continues, Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is a little thing. Now it's all muscle, but it's still small in proportion to the rest of the body. 
But wow, it can have a big impact, can it? And some of you are thinking about experiences right now where somebody said something to you and you're just kind of shocked that they would say that. Or maybe things have come out of your mouth that you're not too proud of based on the circumstances. He goes on. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. And, and really, when you're, when you're uh, reading through this, kind of the idea that's con- conveyed here is the source of that fire is hell, and that's probably where it's going. It's going to lead you down that path, too. Um, this is a little bit of hyperbole, but the point, point that, that James is making, I think, is, is, is a strong one. Your tongue can get you into trouble, and we've all experienced that. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed, and we have been tamed by, and, and have been ta- uh, tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and, and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Kind of the modern um, translation of this, at least I think so, would be, so you kiss your mama with that mouth? (laughs) Yeah. This one meddles because we've all experienced this. I don't think there's a human being that has not experienced the regret of saying something um, that they weren't supposed to. I mean, the tongue kind of gets away from us. Um, we've said something destructive that we can't take back. It's really hard to do that. And we didn't bite it or we didn't bite the cheek. We didn't do either one of those things. And, and we feel bad usually um, not with what came out, but very often how it came out. You know, you, you might stand by the content of your words, but when it's spoken in anger or when it's, you know, sp- spoken with malicious intent, that's the part that you can't take back. But I want to suggest something to you. I want to suggest that maybe the tongue, uh, though it's the thing that gets the blame, really isn't the, the problem after all. And if you think about it, Jesus said, said it this way, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Uh, there's a King James version that's a little bit different than that, but out of the out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? I mean, you've you've probably seen that one somewhere on a bumper sticker on a refrigerator mag- magnet. Um, but the, there's some truth here. What comes out of our mouth, what the tongue actually says, really is sourced deep down in the heart. And so, taming the tongue, or frankly, taming the keystroke on the computer, starts with our emotions. Because the heart is the seat of emotions, at least in Jewish thought. And so when we're talking about you know, this type of emotion, we're not usually talking about the fun ones. We're talking about the negative emotions, the things that we find uncomfortable that we really, we really don't want to experience for any period of time. If only we could truly get a handle on how we feel. But there's something we have to remember. God gave us emotions for a reason, 
and they're not going away. That's part of who we are as human beings, and there's a reason for it. And I like the way Neil Anderson puts it. He says, emotions are to your soul what physical feelings are to your body. Yeah, obviously, you know, when you um, injure yourself and you have pain in your body, it's a signal that something is wrong, that you might need a doctor to help, help you figure it out, but it needs to heal or it needs to relax or it needs some type of relief whatever it happens to be. And, and we understand that. We understand the physical pain, but emotions play a very similar role for our soul, for, for our heart, if you will. They help us to understand the world as it's unfolding in front of us. And um, they can be an asset to us if we allow them to be. Now, we all have values and we all have goals, things that we want, and emotions show us where we are in relation to them. So you may have some unspoken goals. You may have some, some things that you're after that you don't even realize that you are, and certain emotions will flare up when, when those get trampled. So let's, let's take a couple of these and, and let's take a, a quick look at them. First um, is anger. And you may have heard me say this before, but anger signals a blocked goal or maybe a, a value that has been, been trampled in some way, shape, or form. Um, that person who cuts you off in traffic, you're trying to get somewhere at a particular time. You don't want anybody to slow you down, and so we instantly flare and we get angry because how dare they do that because it blocked your goal. Secondly, one of the other negative emotions that we find uncomfortable is anxiety. And that signals that the goal is uncertain. It's an uncertain goal. And, and certainly when we, when we have anxiety, we can start thinking about that a little bit. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But there's some uncertainty in your life, and it's to your benefit to try to figure out what that is. So anxiety signals an uncertain goal. And then finally, and, and this one I think... Um, is important, especially in kind of where we are this time of year in, in the midst of a, of a pandemic lockdown, is depression. Depression signals an impossible goal. Now, please understand, when I use the word depression here, I'm not talking about clinical depression. I'm not talking about some uh, types of depression that are sourced in chemical processes in the brain. I'm talking about the emotion that makes us feel down or blue. Usually, that is a signal of an impossible goal. It means that we're after something that is impossible for us to achieve on our own and we get depressed about it. Again, we'll talk about more, uh, more about that in, in a moment, but when you are entirely dependent on someone else um, to help you achieve something, that can be an impossible goal because you don't have any control over that. And so depression, very common. So emotions are ultimately human, um, and they're here to stay with us. This is how God wired us to be. And so we can take these signals and try to, try to do something about them. But typically what happens is we, we deal with our, our, our negative emotions <clears throat> um, in one of two major ways. Um, there may be more, but these are the two big ones, at least the way I see it. First way that, that we handle those, those things that make us uncomfortable, those emotions that, that are, are, 
or the, are agitating, I'll put it that way. The first way we deal with them is we explode. We give them full vent. And we're often unaware that we're doing it until things get heated. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh my goodness, where did this come from? Um, I've had those circumstances where I've gotten angry in the span of 10 or 15 seconds, and I have, didn't even realize that I had gotten there. But we do, we expo- uh, explode. It often happens in our marriage uh, or in our families. Um, we'll pull up the past and we'll throw it in, in our, our, our partner's face. Or, um, you know, you, you probably had those circumstances too. But ultimately, it just builds up and you got to let it all out. And we usually take it out on the people that, that are around us the most. It seems to be happening on a national level too, if I'm completely honest. It doesn't seem like anybody is, uh, is really trying to listen to anyone else, at least not, not at this point. And the danger here um, to, to handle your emotions this way, to explode, the danger here is to other people. Um, there's, we can damage people with our words, uh, even if it's unintentional, but that an uncontrolled action the, the tongue just gets, you know, lit up and we let into other people and, and we can hurt them and not even realize it. Second way that we deal with uncomfortable emotions is we suppress them. We, we try to stuff it down because we don't want to deal with it because we don't like the way it makes us feel. And so what we'll do then is we'll distract ourselves or, more often, we'll self-medicate. You might engage in some retail therapy. You might find some substances that make you feel good. In fact, addiction is often the sign of unresolved emotion. We know this. Uh, addictive behaviors usually have to do with the emotions of past pain. Almost always. And the danger here is to the self, to ourselves. Because here's the thing, emotions leak. You either deal with your emotions or your emotions are ultimately going to deal with you. They're going to leak out. They're going to find ways to, to disrupt things. And the tongue, what it does is it shuts down and it shuts other people out. And we go inward and we don't want to talk to anybody. And that can be damaging as well, trying to tame that tongue. Most people will deal not with one or the other, but will do some type of combination of exploding and suppressing. And they'll suppress it to a certain point and then boom, they explode all over everybody. And that's how a lot of people deal with their emotions. Now, fortunately, there's another way to deal with your emotions. There's a, <laughs> a healthier way. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying that it's, it's healthier in the long run. And to do that effectively, you have to acknowledge them. You have to acknowledge the fact that you're feeling a certain way. So take, for instance, this idea of, of being angry. The first thing that you, you must do is you have to say aloud, I'm angry. You have to acknowledge the fact that that emotion is present inside of you your heart rate and the tension in your body is already a dead giveaway. But the point is, is that if you say it out loud, it's certainly useful. 
And then you have to ask yourself, what goal is being blocked here? Because we know that that's what the signal is. Okay, I'm feeling angry. Why am I feeling angry? It's because of a blocked goal. So what is that goal? And what is being blocked about it? Let me give you an example of this. Just last week, <clears throat> something happened to me. And um, I was driving in the car and I just found myself getting tense and thinking thoughts that were just ugly and nasty. And, and I finally just said out loud, I'm like, I'm angry. And then I walked through and said, I didn't even realize that I had this particular goal. In this particular case, it was um, a relationship with someone that, um, for lack of a better term, was putting me in an, uh, uh, an awkward position. And I was angry over it. And my, block goal, or my, my goal is to not feel awkward. <laughs> most, most of us have a, a very similar goal. And so when you're put into that position, you get very angry and frustrated. And I had to say that out loud. I have to say, I'm in this position. I don't want to be in that position. My goal is to be at peace and at calm and not have to deal with that kind of thing. And here I am dealing with it. Obviously, I can't give too many details, but I think you've probably been in a similar place. I had to say that I was angry out loud, and then I had to, to identify that particular thing that I wanted that was being blocked. And I have to tell you this, it was amazing how much energy was dissipated just in that. And I noticed it at the next stoplight. I wasn't quite as angry. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So it almost mitigates that energy that gets stored up emotionally in all of us. So if you're, if you're angry, you have to say it. And then you have to identify what the thing is that, that's being blocked. Similar to with if you're if you're anxious, if you're feeling some ang anxiety, say it out loud. I'm anxious, or I'm fearful over this. Anxiety and fear are in the same family. But then you have to ask yourself the question: What is it that is uncertain? And like I said, most often um, you'll realize that your goal, the thing that you're after, is really dependent on someone else acting um, in a particular way, and you are uncertain if they will. Here's a great example of this, and, and a lot of you have heard me uh, use this illustration before because I think it's such a good one. Um, years ago, my eldest daughter was in um, Girl Scouts, and they sold cookies, <laughs> and you know, that, was, that was fun. But everyone had to come up with some type of a sales goal. And a sales goal is kind of a, a misnomer. You can't actually have a sales goal. Um, yes, you have a desire of the number of cookies that you want to sell, but it cannot be a goal because it is dependent on someone else buying them. So if you want to sell 20 boxes of cookies and you're willing to buy those 20 boxes personally, then you've got a sales goal that you can actually meet. But it's uncertain if someone will buy a certain number of boxes of cookies. And so it's better off to have a goal of the number of people you're going to talk to. Typically speaking, probably 50% of all people you'll, um, you'll chat with want to buy Girl Scout cookies. It's kind of the way it goes. And uh, if I want to sell 20 boxes, I probably need to talk to 40 people. That's a goal because I can control it. It is certain that I'm going to talk to 40 people. It is not certain that 
uh, 20 people are actually going to buy, if that makes some sense to you. That's uncertainty. And so when you're in that position where you're feeling anxious, you have to identify that place that's uncertain. What am I uncertain about here? Why am I feeling this way? And third, if you're depressed, and again, I'm not talking about clinical depression that you know, requires medication and perhaps some counseling, but you're just feeling down about some things. You have to say it out loud. I'm, I'm, I've got the blues over this. I'm not feeling good about this. I'm, I'm down. I'm in the dumps. I'm having an Eeyore kind of day. <laughs> We've all been there. Feelings sometimes just happen. But then you kind of have to ask yourself, what is it that I'm after here? What is it that I, I really hope to achieve or what do I want to feel? And then you have to ask yourself, is this, a, is, is this an impossible thing? And what you'll find is that it's very, um, very similar to what we see in anxiousness. I read about a lady who um, was experiencing some depression and the counselor realized that Uh, her husband um, did not share her faith. And that was the one thing that she wanted more than anything else was for him to share her faith. And so she would, you know, try to contrive circumstances in such a way that he would, you know, come to faith. And long story short, it felt like she was forcing it. And it really was an impossible goal. She can't not control what's happening um, with her husband but rather, um, she didn't recognize that and was depressed because her entire life's goal was on, and partly based on her husband's um, decision to, to come to faith in Jesus. You can see where that would be a big challenge. So there, there is a way forward here you have to acknowledge the fact that you're feeling something and then figure out what it's, what it's signaling to you. They're there to help you, all of your emotions, even the ones that make you feel uncomfortable. All of them are trying to explain to you or help you understand the world as it's unfolding in front of you, especially in your relationships. And so you're building some clarity around your emotions and why you're feeling them. But there's still another step I think there's, there's one for those of us who, who follow Jesus that we, we really need to take. And that's simply this, is that we need to take those emotions and those goals and all the clarity that we built, and we need them to put them in front of Jesus himself. That, that's kind of the, the ultimate step here is that you understand what you're feeling. You're acknowledging it, but you're, you're understanding why, and you take that and, and you put it in front of Jesus. God, what do I do with this feeling and the underlying circumstances? God, what do I do with these things? And, and it's, it's such where as you kind of go through this, and if you're feeling this way, you may not even realize that you've got some of the underlying conditions. They may even surprise you, and you want to take those to God as well. And then you listen. And you listen some more. And you listen some more. And then you respond according to what he's told you. So you have to acknowledge those things. That's the psychological piece. But if you want it to be in your heart, 
If you want to deal with those things at, at the most emotional level, you have to ask God what he says about those things. Listen and then respond accordingly. Look, here's, here's, <laughs> here's the bottom line. To tame the tongue, you have to deal with the heart. Because in your anger, in your anxiety, in your depression, it's very easy to say things to others, to yourself, that are incredibly destructive. And that's, that's exactly what James is talking about, is that it is impossible for a human, don't, don't miss that word, it's impossible for a human being to tame the tongue. You've got to have God's help to do it. Now, there's steps that you have to take, obviously. You have to take responsibility for those emotions and all the underlying conditions. But at the end of the day, it's about coming before your Lord and saying, well, what do I do with these? God, is there something you want to speak into this set of circumstances, into this emotion that I'm feeling? And, and you know, sometimes we don't want to do that because it takes too long. Yeah, guess what? It's going to keep coming back around and around and around because it's an issue in your heart, not an issue in your tongue. Keep that in mind. So if you want to tame the tongue, you got to deal with the heart. Let's pray. God, you have made us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have known us um, even before we began to walk the earth. And you put inside us these things called emotions to help us understand our place in the world. And sometimes we don't deal with them well. And the tongue, which you've also made, then becomes a weapon, destructive to others, destructive to ourselves. God, help us to take the advice of, of, of your servant James here as he, as he has laid this stuff out for us. Taming the tongue is dealing with the emotions. Help us to see that. And I pray that every person who's listening today would have the courage to deal with those uncomfortable feelings that they might have. They might see them as signals. They might see them as opportunities um, for you to do your work. And that's really the fringe benefit here is that when we bring these things to you and you do something with them, that's when you begin to speak to us and that's when our faith is built in a very real way, in real life, in real time, because it deals with us and our emotions and you care about those things too. So God, um, for the person who's sitting and watching, who's stewing about something, maybe depressed or maybe just angry with the people around them, God, through your Holy Spirit, would you speak to them in the way that they need to hear? May they courageously deal with their hearts so they may tame their tongue. pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.